Hi, this is Janesh. And this is Pranab. You're tuned in to the 30-Minute Hustle Podcast. So, for example, in a two-wheeler, if you connect a two-wheeler to any, uh, let's suppose a charger which is supposed to charge an e-verito. If you connect these two, a normal two-wheeler battery would explode. Because for that smaller 2-kilowatt battery, that charger is too heavy. There is too much of current flowing out of it. But if somehow you are able to make this battery soak in that current by increasing the power density capability of the battery and it doesn't, if it doesn't explode, it will charge fast. Just basically, if you, an easier analogy would be a bucket and tap, right? Or a balloon, basically. If you put a balloon towards the tap and then you, uh, you, you turn on the tap and if the water pressure is too fast, the balloon can also burst. But if you make the balloon strong enough to hold that fast water coming in, it will fill in faster. That's what we are doing in the battery front that somehow we are making that whole chemistry in a way that it can take in a lot of power. And hence that is what is helping us in and that's right from the material or the chemistry level. Increasing the surface area at the anode, making a nanostructure there at the anode level so that the ions can move pretty fast. So that is what we are doing in the rapid chargeable battery space. Hey folks, thanks for tuning into the 30 Minute Hustle podcast. On this episode, we dig deep into battery storage solutions. Logline Materials is an advanced graphene nanotechnology company which is developing energy storage solutions to empower the EV revolution in India. They are the producers of India's fastest charging electric three-wheeler, the Rage Rapid EV. Logline is currently backed by Amaraja Batteries, Petronas Venture and Sequoia Capital. So today we have Karthik, the co-founder of Logline, to speak about his founding story, the production of graphene, and what is the future of batteries. So, Karthik, tell us an introduction about yourself and, you know, what made you start Log9 and how are things for you and what is your founding story like? Uh, first of all, thanks a lot, guys, for having me here. Uh, so, Log9, basically, we started the company back in 2015. Uh, I myself am a graduate from IIT Rutki, Chemical Engineering 17 batch, and Akshay, my co-founder, is also from IIT Rutki itself. Um, he is a materials engineer. Uh, he graduated 2015 so we actually were in college still when we started the company there so we got incubated in our college incubator types we were the first incubator there actually so see what we were trying to do at that point was i came from my internship from itc akshay was a materials engineer and he was already looking at different type of carbon materials new type of carbon materials especially a material called graphene which is a pretty new material got invented back in 2008 and all uh, and is said to be the wonder material or something which can be disrupted in the whole material uh, sector. From there on, uh, I came from my internship from ITC, which was completely on product development. And hence, uh, I realized, and both of us realized that it's a good combination to bring in his material expertise and me from a chemical engineering pro- uh, perspective to make products out of materials because just the material no one can appreciate until unless you put it into various applications for people to try out product or applications. From there on, we also uh, log nine started and the uh, so it was a pretty hardcore different type of company. It was not your conventional uh, software tech wherein we could just simply code it and then deploy it on Play Store, App Store, etc. Uh, it was a capital heavy business to be in. It was an R&D intensive business and hence it was a very patient business to be in. Uh, so from the day we started our metrics were pretty different than the conventional metrics. We were always pushing in more deep tech R&D and product development um, rather than the usual downloads etc. So the first 
so when we when we touch upon that material the first thing uh, that we did was you know scale it up to an extent wherein we did set up the the first small line was set up in behind uh, akshay's house itself uh, our small materials line and uh, in college itself we got an r&d lab that uh, under the incubation we received there so we leveraged both of those places and we started developing products uh, first of all funneling or identifying which products to get into we were trying to at that time trying to work on catalytic converters for ic automotive so that uh, the pollution from tailpipe emissions can be reduced but then that was a very long gestation period project no matter if it's an r&d intensive project we were still a startup and we had to maintain our mentality of you know getting a, a product faster in the market so as to prove the case altogether so in the filtration domain itself we thought what's a low hanging fruit with the material that we have in hand and we realized that something like a cigarette filter could be a good product to come out with fast retail gets a good they creates a good noise in the market and there could be a very good adoption happening and in terms of it was not a scaled up product we were looking at but something that could prove the point something that could prove that you know new materials can actually create disruption in various sectors we did that worked out pretty well retail the product up to a medium scale with it manufacturing scale up selling marketing etc that helped the plant our first investment back in 2017 which was from gems investment back out of uh, delhi and then we shifted to bangalore we stopped puff and then we started exploring other various applications and hit upon energy as a sector and from there in when we were working on energy we realized that you know everyone in the world is actually working on incremental in uh, you know incremental improvements in tech for example you might work on increasing the energy density by 10% in a lithium ion battery or you might work on reducing the cost by 20% of a hydrogen fuel cell etc we thought that you know the energy market is pretty nascent and there's a lot of scope for disruption the energy market the new energy market as we call it is here to stay for the next 50 to 100 years for a lot of disruption to happen so being right at the start of it we actually had the chance to write the story from scratch so we thought why not rather than you know investing our lives research product money etc on technology which already exist and just have incremental improvements let's work on disruptive technologies altogether and hence from there we started working on two different technologies one in the station one in the uh, uh, one storage space which is similar to a battery but different chemistries not the conventional lithium ion normal chemistry that you see in the market but different chemistries wherein we said we'll not increase energy density by 10 20% or increase range of a vehicle by let's suppose from 70 to 80 to 90 100 kilometers we said we'll keep the range 70 kilometers we'll keep the energy density as is or maybe even reduce the energy density a bit but then we'll increase the charging time or fasten the charging time for 4 hours to 10 minutes to 15 minutes now that's a disruption if i would have invested huge in r&d on just range or energy density i would have maybe increased my range from 70 to 100 km but that's not a disruption 30 km is not the disruption in an application altogether but the disruption is when they actually reduce charging time from 4 hours to 15 minutes the second problem uh, so because that could Uh, that could uh, ultimately solve a lot of pieces which were being obstacles in the ev domain secondly we realized one of the biggest problems in the market was cycle life ev today is being adopted pretty fast all of us are uh, seeing that a lot of it being regulatory push fuel prices up etc but then no one is actually thinking of retention of the ev market in the software terms we actually have retention right of consumers etc of users heron is someone thinking about that okay today i get a every month i'm getting a 2% 5% increment in terms of sales of evs but what will happen 2 years down the line when the experience and the real experience because of the products that people are buying today will start coming out will this continue growing or just because of a bad experience at that particular time your retention falls and ev starts coming down which i'm pretty sure will start happening because 
what has happened is disruption has happened for sure a lot of short term tailwinds have helped evs to come out pretty fast but the technology has not matured enough point one and just to push sales cheap or products which might lead to uh and unhappy customers are getting pushed and a lot of that is also because of lack of long term vision on what people are actually pushing let's talk about policies framework regulation currently the fame subsidy that you have is pretty flat right you will get a uh, whatever x rupees per kilowatt hour as subsidy no matter uh, whatever is your uh, no matter how much what is the technology no matter how fast how much is the power density no matter how much is the cycle life it's a flat metric that's not how it should be you should actually either incentivize better technology or should either penalize that technology but that's not happening today and hence such products are getting pushed and hence that is where log9 as log9 we are trying to fit in ourselves with better products maybe costlier today but cheaper in the long run but at least focus on retention in the ev market so i see you guys as as sort of these disruptors who not only want to just better the uh, existing technology but rethink the entire idea of what the technology is for the long term you went in very deep about uh, uh, the ethos of of log9 materials so um to to sort of uh, reach out to our audience so what is the core um, you know product of log9 what i see what i understood is the fact that you guys focused on one particular material and you guys have focused on graphene so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what why you guys chose graphene and and uh, as disruptors what you guys feel graphene is going to do today we work on a diff- on a lot of different type of materials but what uh, our major thesis is that you know if you start working on a technology from a fundamental material perspective the the disruption or the the advantage that you can get in the final product would be much more than rather than just working on let's suppose the bms stack or let's suppose just working on the wire harness etc you work right on the chemistry and make it better for example uh, solid state that, that's a disruption or uh, you know uh, silicon anode that's a disruption in the battery domain what we are working on is leveraging graphene or various different type of materials on the uh, on the electrodes in a way that it gives you very high power density so in our case the power density is that high that you get a charging time of 10 to 15 minutes which was the biggest bottleneck in batteries because there is energy density you know uh, in the tunes of 200 watt per kg 220 watt per kg 180 etc but then the power densities are limited in a way that you only can charge it within 2 hours 3 hours it's not limited by the charging infra the charging infra is enough so but it's just that uh, the batteries can't take it so for example in a two wheeler if you connect a two wheeler to any uh, let's suppose a charger which is supposed to charge an e verito if you connect these two a normal two wheeler battery would explode because for that smaller 2 kilowatt hour battery that charger is too heavy there is too much of current flowing out of it but if somehow you are able to make this battery soak in that current by increasing the power density capability of the battery and it doesn't if it doesn't explode it will charge fast just basically if you an easier analogy would be a bucket and tap right or a balloon basically if you put a balloon towards the tap and then you uh, you you turn on the tap and if the water pressure is too fast the balloon can also burst but if you make the balloon strong enough to hold that fast water coming in it will fill in faster that's what we are doing in the battery front that somehow we are making that whole chemistry in a way that it can take in a lot of power and hence that is what is helping us in and that's right from the material or the chemistry level 
increasing the surface area at the anode making a nanostructure there at the anode level so that the ions can move pretty fast so that is what we are doing in the rapid chargeable battery space with the materials that we have and that is what we are putting currently in two wheelers three wheelers our target market is completely commercial vehicles because we feel evs only make sense currently in the commercial space absolutely the you you are right there and you know like it's such a great vision that you want to charge batteries as fast as as fast as possible and especially it's so viable in the uh, in the commercial space so what are your near term goals and long term visions for the company because you you guys are in the mode of expansion bit like our uh, being part of sequoia accelerator program and now you you also raising funds so what are your short term goals and long term vision what is being aligned because there's so much emphasis on r&d because your product itself is based on the research bandwidth that you're creating so what are your short term goals and long term visions a lot of our research has come to the inflection point of taking it to commercialization and hence our short term goal is to deploy as many vehicles in the market as we can there are two three major value proposition that we provide one was the charging time as you correctly said the other is something which is cycle life which i think a lot of people usually today are not focusing on much but that is what is causing a lot of uh, negative user experience a lot of fleet operators in the commercial domain are actually have stopped thinking of evs and are th- thinking that they'll continue the business with the ic engine vehicles because the evs that they took for their fleets no matter if they that gave a lower opex the batteries went bad pretty fast six months eight months etc and these are pretty good fleet operators in the market what we are seeing is we are giving a 10 year flat warranty on a battery pack you put a battery pack in your and no one is else is doing it today so it's a flat 10 year warranty because a life cycle is above 10000 cycles and that's at least 6x than conventional battery packs uh, there are two major advantages of that point one uh, you don't have to buy a new battery after every in the commercial domain you run a vehicle much higher than a passenger vehicle and hence your battery degrades faster you don't need a battery after one and a half years a replacement battery in our case secondly your range doesn't degrade across the life of your vehicle because the degradation in our case is spread across a 10 15 year period um what we are so that's sec- cycle life is the second major advantage and the third is safety you take a battery till 200 degree centigrade keep it for 10 hours nothing happens so the battery safety which we have seen in the previously in the last month itself a lot of incidents happening with various uh, oems and that has actually led to more emphasis on safety which we actually are much better than other chemistries in the market clubbing all of these into a packaged product and putting it currently in two wheelers and three wheelers commercial domain with various oems whom we have partnered with so omega ck mobility is a partner and we have put our battery packs on rage plus which now is homologated as well we are putting it out with fleet operators then uh, hero electric so we are also putting out products with them in the commercial space itself and then in the passenger auto segment along with etrio so we do have good oem partners with us we are just going to the market with these vehicles and the short term would be to uh launch it as many vehicles in the market this year fiscal year this fiscal year we are targeting around 2000 vehicles in the market and the next fiscal year would be at least four to five times than that uh secondly we are also entering the stationary storage domain wherein we are trying to because of a longer life cycle we are trying to tap into the solar market which is 15 to 25 years of project pipeline project planning and hence rather than putting a smaller life battery and replacing it every 3 years 4 years 5 years i say you put one of my battery and you stay uh, all during the life it stays there so the tco falls down for them so stationary domain again but mobility two wheelers three wheelers and eventually as we see a tata ace electric sort of platform coming out we are pretty confident of being able to put our product in that our offerings are majorly for last mile and middle mile so this is the short term objective the long term objective is to backward integrate and scale up cell manufacturing in india for which are 
investment this year with amaraja batteries has been pretty critical also petronas coming on board to invest in us so this year we are we have been also very vocal about the pli and we have been a pretty uh, an important part in the pli and the niche the niche category of the pli being formed and in the next 2 to 3 years we are envisaging putting out a cell level line in india itself let's see with whom but yeah in india we'll be putting out a cell level line that's that's amazing to hear that karth especially with a partner like amaraja and a partner like petronas Uh, the sky is the limit here, and plus, so uh, where do you play this? Uh, your your vital role plays in which part of the company stack? Because you're going into manufacturing, you're going to backward integration. There's a lot of material science which is being involved. Then at the same time, your GTM is also involved. That you're going to market aggressively, and also controlling a platform, a mobility company, and you know adoption of your product. So where do you see yourself like breaking your head on? Which part of the stack are you breaking your head on most? People. so i guess people is the key so i think as a founder beyond a point which i guess is uh, majorly once once you tip over a team size of 20 to 30 and the moment you reach that point of blitz scaling or scalability as an individual or as a founder your contribution becomes pretty limited or it's not that you can't it, it just it's not that you don't want to you can't physically it's not possible so but then what you have to make sure that you do is a good culture and a good team so rather than you know and as you rightly said these are a lot of things to do taking care of the mobility domain altogether you know the gtm uh, leasing out vehicles leasing out battery packs battery as a service second is policy we are very much trying to work with the government to change policy to incentivize new and better technology which currently is not there it's a blanket complete uh, policy or regulatory framework third is manufacturing then there is marketing sales again investments etc so these are a lot of domains to look at so as founders i think we have reached that uh, we have reached in that complete life cycle of a company where now our major focus is to bring in great people in the company people who can put on that founders hat and say that they're not working for this company but they're working for their own company so that sort of culture ownership accountability and make the right team to lead it so that's where we are breaking most of our heads these days so uh talk about your early business pivots right because you're right out of iit then you uh you guys scale quite soon so what has been your pivotal pivots that you have taken in the business hard decisions which has uh, probably helped you out right now Two to three years back, we were very aggressively working on a technology of aluminium fuel cell, which we are still working on. At that time, we were confident on the technology being a blanket invention for the complete mobility space. And I think at that time, our whole understanding of the industry was also limited because we were not into mobility or EVs at all. We were actually a material science or a chemical uh, company from that perspective. But then, aluminium fuel cell looked like a good solution for mobility, but from a ten thousand feet sort of. Once we started deep diving, created the technology, invented the product, so we have a lot of patents on the technology altogether. Made the product, we realized that it it does still fit for EVs, but for a particular type of EVs. It's a technology which is very much useful for long haul sort of applications, trucks, buses, etc. Ah, uh, but when it comes to short mile, last mile, intercity sort of applications, aluminium fuel cell is not the answer at all. We would be doing nothing but trying to put a product in the market which the which the market doesn't need at all. Uh, if you look at any delivery boy today taking out a two wheeler or three wheeler, even on an IC engine, he refuels, he refills his uh, complete vehicle every day because his cash flows are in that perspective. He never fills in his tank completely. Even when when we were small, we used to fill in our tank for two days of run with fifty rupees, hundred rupees of petrol, right? So none of us or none of even the the, the delivery boys are not 
they don't fill in for 5 days 6 days so they don't require that range today range is being pushed just because uh, it is incentivized flat by the government the moment the subsidy stops you will see a lot of oems reducing your battery size for sure because the cost will become exorbitantly high you can't continue doing that it's just a short term interim thing that they're doing when we saw aluminum fuel cell we realized that's not the solution for interest because the major proposition of aluminum fuel cell was range a lot of range but then these guys don't need range so hence we it i'll not call it a pivot i'll call it revising the strategy and uh, i being able to and that has been the major i think usp of logna in that we, we tend to innovate fast in whatever we do and hence at that particular juncture approximately one and a half two years back we realized we need to quickly identify a solution for last mile and middle mile aluminum fuel cell is a long term r&d project with products meant for long haul applications but the long haul ev market in itself is not mature enough if we start focusing on and continue investing on aluminum fuel cells for the long haul application the market might not align with the technology at all and hence we might end up at a point where maybe we are ready to with the technology left and right completely but the market is not there at all and we're still waiting for it to come up whereas we see the last mile booming up happening which started happening this year but two years back we could envisage that this will happen first this piece will first electrify then the other markets all together so we need to quickly find a product that fits in this re-strategizing two years back helped us so much that right at this juncture today we are ready with products uh, for commercialization and scale what is the key products that you guys have prioritized as a solution uh, after going to market and understanding that you know aluminum fuel cells might not be the right fit right now so what is it that you guys are exactly so these are so for uh, short term applications so we divide our complete uh, product portfolio into two three categories one is super capacitors which is meant for very fast very high power very low energy that is majorly meant for applications like your elevators forklifts etc uh, wherein you need a lot of power but you don't require it for a lot of time itself windmills etc uh, replacing lead acid batteries in those applications then there is hybrid supercapacitor which at a cell level is a mix of battery uh, lithium ion plus supercap gives you a bit more energy uh, power goes a bit less that is meant for mid haul sort of applications metro etc where you need regeneration to happen mm-hmm. uh, and that where regenerative braking is pretty critical in those sort of applications or mining trucks etc so those are the applications there then the third is a type of chemistry in lithium ion itself which in some senses um, has a nano structure layered at the anode in a sense which has decent energy density not very high energy density but then again decent power density it's a trade off so all of these technologies go in the way that the power density reduces from supercap to high power cells that we create these are the high power cells the third product and your energy density increases from supercap to high power cells so from that perspective uh the third product is majorly fit for applications like um your last mile application where we putting this product today so the cell level lines that we'll be developing will be for all these three type of products eventually right now we are commercializing the high power cell product all together for all last mile products two wheelers three wheelers etc trucks buses also we are targeting in the intra city space buses specifically um for example airport airport buses they actually have to run 18 hours a day uh they don't have very long routes they have depots faster they reach depot every pass so give them very fast charging time very small time they'll work out well you also you'll have very less weight of batteries on your buses so these these are the applications for the high power cells which we have already started introducing and we have already homologated products so our cell has a bis rating with it we have an ais on the battery pack our vehicle is homologated along with our oem partner 
our products are on road around some vehicles are already running and now we're scaling up this month onwards itself so october end we'll scale up big big time altogether so i i kind of see you guys as as this uh, as a transition between r&d um may i say manufacturing i'm not sure so i'm just trying to get an idea so are you guys going to focus a little more on your products right now or also going to parallelly be doing r&d at the same time also doing your uh products so uh, currently log9 is a 100 member team growing to a 150 membered organization altogether and the so a majority of this team is and will continue working on r&d that will be to improve the cells to uh, stabilize cell at a manufacturing line altogether to uh, maybe innovate on battery stacks and electronics as well because our electronic stack so it's not a normal electronic stack you're talking about 200 amperes flowing in a 2 kilowatt hour battery pack which is very high current for it so your electronic stack wire harnesses your complete bms etc has to align with that fast charging time secondly we are currently leveraging the already existing charging infra network of everyto etc the bharat dc network and that is one major problem we have solved that you know i don't need a special infrastructure to uh, to be put i just uh because two wheeler three wheeler battery packs are small i can leverage the fast chargers which were meant for everytos to charge our vehicles pretty fast but then that coupling between the vehicle and the charger needs to be pretty seamless and that's again that happens under r&d altogether then we are also getting into charging infra uh, to a particular limit wherein we feel that the complete charging infra product is is bulky than what it should be it's not an optimized product if you have to increase power on a charging infra currently all people are doing is stacking in uh smaller charges together in parallel and giving you out that current that's not the right way to do it there is a lot of scope of innovate innovation there wherein you make one product which is let's suppose 50 kilowatt power one converter one dc dc converter not multiple 10 10 10 stack together so there are various so the ev ecosystem is still at a nascent stage with a lot of scope of innovation and r&d and hence we completely have an r&d wing which will continue innovating on each of these pieces power electronics uh chemistry of cells battery packs and obviously manufacturing is there which we are focusing on because we are at the juncture of scaling up altogether and where do you guys see us uh, see like uh, uh, hurdles coming up and what have you seen as hurdles especially in the ev space at the moment um i think in the ev space because it's nascent consumers are also not very well aware of what they buying today and that is also one of the hurdles for sure and hence we are trying to keep as clean messaging as possible so for example you go to buy a two wheeler electric uh some in a commercial space your warranty of the battery pack they'll in a very typo or in a, in a very small words in the whole booklet say that because it's for commercial space your warranty has reduced from 3 years to 2 years now that's like telling the customer altogether that hey i myself am not confident of the product that i am giving out so that is the skepticism that is currently in the market but people are buying just because there is a very flat high subsidy on vehicles today that's not going to lead to a lot of retention when this guy buys in that vehicle and after 6 months or a year he sees the battery is gone bad or the vehicle is not running etc so our biggest hurdle would be though and though we are keeping our messaging clear we are very clear on all our warranties 10 year warranty on the battery pack fast charging 15 minutes uh, we have done a app wherein you can see all fast chargers nearby go there charge etc we're putting a qr code on the auto or on the two wheeler you scan it you find the charger nearby we have done partnerships with the likes of photom and all which are big charging infra players we also need the tailwind of the complete evo ecosystem right if the others 
are not performing it, it the, the whole negative uh, negative yes. perception around the ecosystem hits us as well yeah and hence we are trying to push that from the policy uh, from a policy perspective as much as possible we are trying to push the government to a limit that hey guys you need to done you have done superb job by incentivizing uh, evs today by subsidies pretty good good step but have you thought of it from a long term perspective you're saying 10000 rupees per kilowatt hour for a three wheeler 15000 for a uh, two wheeler but on what basis put up metrics to it like in the pli scheme you have put metrics for for example if your technology is this better you'll get this higher incentive it's this better you get so base it on cycle life base it on charging time base it on energy density base it on various parameters but make a metric so that you know oems today are pushed to put new and better technologies in the market rather than putting in those shit- shitty batteries or shitty products or component they were putting years back which would maybe give them sales today but give them a very give the users a very bad experience after one one and a half two years which will lead to this complete exponential growth of the ev go down the slump in a day itself so i think the major hurdle for us is the is just others fucking it up to be honest yeah so uh, that's that's true so where do you see yourself uh, you know like say 10 years down the line for log9 and you know what is the vision for the company and what is the utopia that you guys are trying to achieve all the time and where do you see that coming out say a down 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 few years and what do you see in that so we're looking at see in the mobility or the ev segment altogether the battery does hold the most value it's it 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 decides where the ev goes how the ev performs etc and hence that has given us as log9 the option to make a major dent in the market by key innovations by various innovations in that whole segment altogether so 10 years down the line we see, see ourselves as a major energy company which is not working on maybe incremental advantages or incremental improvements on existing technology but disruptive technologies fit for climates or weathers like india india specific or similar country specific technologies but for the world altogether so currently whatever is happening in the energy domain is something that we are importing from various different countries which is not fit for this country altogether let's suppose I'll give you an example. LFP chemistry, for that perspective, is pretty good for US maybe because you need high ranges because this country is big. The routes are longer. China routes are longer. India is a pretty small country. Every village, every city, these are smaller. The routes are smaller. The distances are smaller. So you don't need very high ranges. Now that's a country-specific problem, right? You need to solve this problem not from a global energy sustainability perspective, but you got to think it through and devise a solution which is. for that particular location so we as log9 feel that point one the energy market will be pretty vast there'll be various different type of technologies existing 10 years down the line each one will have their own market hydrogen fuel cell solid state lead acid everything everything will have its own market and we feel that we will and but every product needs to be devised for a particular application or a particular geography so we feel that in that whole plethora or catalog of products being uh, available in the energy domain we will have a big chunk of technology coming out from log9 from india for the world kartik you know we heard a lot about log9 but we also like to talk a lot about uh, the people behind these companies and and their journeys and and all that so um some of the questions that we like to ask is that um, you know as a founder you have so many failures that happen day in day out and it's part of the process of being an entrepreneur or a founder so what what has sort of been your favorite failure so i think uh, being novice 
in business be but being a bit ahead in engineering or r&d was something that uh that i'll not call it a failure but we are definitely learning failure as a learning from that perspective and we started off at that time we were trying to crack certain b2b deals we thought that you know if you have a very good product with in your hand and uh, if you have something which you feel is a disruption the person sitting on the other side of the table will also feel the same and you know will appreciate the technology will appreciate the value associated to it etc but then we soon we realized that everything boils down to a single thing which is cost and economics which we did not pay much heed to at that particular time uh so we got into it and we also didn't know that you know at that particular time, i think we were novice enough to understand that mncs etc work like sharks there's a reason they've reached there right one of our deal with an mnc which led to uh, us to parting for a week that you know we cracked that eventually the whole agreement turned out to be pretty much bullshit and uh made us even um scrap a lot of inventory we had which we were very which we became very bullish on the moment we thought that it's cracked that you know there's a deal flown in now we'll be able to sell them for the next two years etc xyz and all of that but then three months four months down the line we realized that all of that was bullshit the company itself is going is getting into bankruptcy and all of that so yeah so karthik what's the biggest struggle you you faced being a founder and you know like how are you managing things and what what is the biggest struggle you you sense around i think the biggest struggle is to uh, right now as a founder is to actually devise a culture in the company which is very much wherein people don't join you just for you know their own whatever they want to do or whatever they want to do with their own life but rather than making a culture or making your recruitment process in a way that the people who join you join you for what you are trying to do so i want to do this with my life i want to maybe work on carbon materials now that's a very small narrow sort of thinking process of or a small a very a very narrow reason to join logmen so making a recruitment process which is able to identify today people who will join logmen for what logmen is wanting to do that is one of the struggles wherein we have failed also drastically uh, in terms of the people we have hired because the moment you do that it, a wrong hire is worse than a no hire and the moment that person joins you the vision doesn't align it's a back and forth and it's a that's a struggle that's a struggle as a founder because ultimately a founder is more about managing people rather than managing tasks so we realize that you know so this is what we are still struggling with to make sure that the people who join us join us with the alignment of vision of the company and hence because the moment you are able to crack that and put that two and two together the person who joins you feels equally accountable just like you do for anything else also that happens in the company i think it's very important for us for founders to also find the people who have a similar vision who are trying to work with you and also the culture sort of fits in okay. it's difficult right now at the moment because there are so many companies uh, doing startups they're just recruiting you just need a particular thing but but um, i think that's that's very important and it's a very nice point that you touched on so what are the kind of like founders or companies that you look up to and you want to sort of model and uh, see logmen as um so to be honest till date i have not had much of role models in my life i don't read much and i'm an outlier from that perspective uh but i've i look up to some people for sure so uh, i did had a short stint in itc and um, so the ceo of my 
group altogether mr sanjeev rangras he is not the group head of sustainability etc i like the way he worked he showed me that you know so he was heading a 10000 crore business altogether the itc's agri business i learned from him the whole thing that i have been talking about today that you know people management is the key so much was happening in, in you can imagine a 10000 crore company will have so much of things happening on a daily basis so if he starts getting into each of those things there's no scale he can't scale the company can't scale everyone will be just it it be too much of micromanagement so i learned through him how to manage in a way that you know and how to manage people in a way that the tasks get done so he is one guy that i definitely look up to and then apart from it from a very broader perspective bill gates is one other guy that i look up to from his whole view on sustainability and how he has completely shifted his focus from that uh, whole capitalism sort of idea of microsoft to something now terrapar etc funding plant based meat and all of that and his he's he's one of those guys i think from a energy or sustainability philanthropy perspective has not just gone blind and pushing money he's thinking about it he's thinking why this will not work why this will work he's thinking why nuclear will work why why maybe renewable is not the answer so that sort of thought process so making a thoughtful decision from a long term perspective not just a short term that you know my carbon emissions go down this year as micro if microsoft start thinking or bill gates start thinking it from a very short term perspective then the world is done for so he is one guy i look up to in terms of his thought process behind making this world a better place amazing and uh, karthik i know you're extremely busy hustling around your work recruitment culture product go to market so how do you manage your time and what are your hobbies like so give us that personal views on that Uh, i think i've been a very much startup enthusiast since my college time itself so uh, i'm one of those who after getting up will read your story et tech etc every day so reading about companies uh, business models etc is something that fits in in my in my professional career as well as well as my uh, daily hobby as well so i like reading about companies startups and all how they functioning what are the various gaps and opportunities in the market for example one of the biggest questions that what people have been asking me since ages that why am i in india because india is has so many problems which means so many opportunities to solve so so that is one of the key reasons for me to be here that there's so many problems and there's so many negatives that either you can crib about it or you can be excited about solving them so i think uh, that sort of reading about companies or other people who are trying to solve it is something that uh, keeps me going secondly talking to new founders coming up in my network helping them in whatever way possible invested a few in a few of them um, and some have been pretty much aligned with lognines thought process as well lithium and recycling and all of that so that is something that keeps me going so the companies that i have invested in or have been working with also takes up my personal time from that perspective and it's not like i see them as another work but that's refreshing to me because i get to know about three other industry sectors etc uh, and how and what they are trying to do there if you had like a billboard kartik and you wanted to say something out to the world based on your ideologies uh, what was what is it that you would say i think you have a lot of thought process on, on being positive and and how you look at things so i'd like to know if you had a billboard what you would like to say okay so i have had this thought process since always that you know a lot of us because of whatever we do on a daily basis start taking a lot of things for granted for sure so 
we start assuming that whatever we have we we deserved it but we didn't actually a lot of things that we have today is just because where we were born we were born in a family which could educate us till that age we were born in a family which could give us three meals a day that has led us to be here though we have taken both of those things very much for granted till date and that is where i felt that because a lot of people don't get that so i think being get just because of being born there i think we so i call it being indebted by luck so by luck itself we have we've been born in a place which has given me a debt for life so i need to pay that back by making maybe working hard 10 times than what i would have had so uh, you know filling in for those other 10 people who were not born in that particular place so what would be your advice to a 21 year old uh, guy getting out of college and just entering into the into this mad world read more about the world so no more stay updated see what has happened in the last 5 to 10 years what i've seen the world has started moving very fast and it's very easy to become obsolete today you can go for a vacation to i think shimla for 6 months and then come back and still the world would have moved ahead much ahead then in that 6 months of time span so i think if you're coming out of college the first thing that you should do is point one rather than just blindly joining a company align yourself with what you want to do or what target goals you want to contribute towards is it sustainability is it poverty is it environment is it uh, solving financial literacy there are enough problems which are being solved by a lot of people and everyone has one or the other mindset with which you can connect with some of them so rather than blindly joining a company by the paycheck that they give it's better to first align your thought process or your vision or your own life's aim with any of those goals so i'm not saying that it's you don't need to start up it's, it's it's not at all that glamorous it's just glamorous nothing else you need to try contributing to a problem being solved that's that but you can only do that well if you relate to that problem so all you have to do is while you're you know graduating etc first identify which problem because this country has so many problems you can easily find one that you can relate to so find that one problem that you can relate to and then target where you want to or how you want to contribute to it i think it has been amazing to host you on the 30 minute hustle and i think we'll be uh, heading to a close and thanks for making time for us and being extremely candid and being extremely open uh, really enjoyed this conversation and this is something we can reflect on same as thank you so much Thank you for listening to the 30 minute hustle podcast. You can follow us on Instagram for all our latest updates. Until next time signing off. This is Pranab and my co-host Janish.